But I think it's so Mm -hmm. important to just pause sometimes and say, what am I doing now that I am intentionally allowing my kids to be partners with me on their learning adventure? How am I giving them ownership of what their learning journey looks like? Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Mamie. Welcome to the Teaching with Class podcast, where we explore topics that help educators deepen their connections with children and enhance their social, emotional, and cognitive growth and development. Today, we're talking about showing regard and value for our children's unique perspectives, thoughts, ideas, and choices in the classroom. Our guest, Colleen Schmidt, helps us understand why it is so important to show this type of regard and value and how to do it on a daily basis. And now, enjoy the conversation. Today, I'm so excited to talk with Colleen Schmidt, and we are going to be talking about regard for student perspectives. And you know how it's not uncommon for teachers in early childhood education to need to strike that balance between following children's leads and sticking to the classroom schedule. So, Colleen, do you want to tell us a little bit about that? You know that tension. Oh, I know that tension well. I I can very much empathize with classroom teachers who feel the need to find the balance between being able to follow the lead of the kiddos, but still there are certain things that we must get done during the day, right? Like there's a schedule that sometimes the schedule is not flexible. Maybe you have outdoor time at a certain time or lunch is at a certain time. So when we're thinking about a regard for student perspective, I love how you mentioned Mamie, like having balance. Like Mm -hmm. we need to be able, it's all about everything that you do in the classroom really is about balance, right? It's a balancing act. We're juggling many things all at once. And I know for me, when I was teaching kindergarten, when I was a classroom teacher at the beginning of my career, I was so much more in tune with following the desires and the interests of my little kindergartners versus as I had continued on and was in the classroom for eight years, I started losing some of that flexibility. And it's something that when I like sit back and reflect and think, oh my gosh, (laughs) what happened? It's one of those it's one of those 2020 hindsight is 2020 moments where you think back and you're like, gosh, if I would have just stayed on the right path of being able to be flexible and follow their interest and give them lots of opportunities to talk and to choose instead of being so focused on my teacher agenda, I do think things would have been different for me. I really truly do think I may even have stayed in the classroom longer if I would have stayed true to following that regard for student perspective or following the regard for child perspective. So it really is one of my most favorite things to talk about now that, you know, I've had all this time to reflect and I 
it's one of my biggest, I don't know if it's a regret, but it's one of my biggest things that now when I do interact with kids, I still get to work as a substitute teacher. It's my most favorite thing to do. And when I am subbing, I am so intentional about having regard for student perspective or really, really looking through everything we do through the lens or through the eyes of the kids. Like I'm just so much more like into it. It's my favorite like thing that I want to, it's almost like, I feel like I need to do them right. (laughs) I need to (laughs) go back and do it right again. So I'm really intentional uh, anytime I'm in a classroom interacting with kids about having that balance, like you're talking about, like not Mm -hmm. every, not every desire can be followed right at that moment, but I'm really much more intentional about allowing choice and allowing a lot of opportunities for them to share their thoughts and ideas. And for me to kind of elicit the little thoughts that are in their brains so I can understand their perspective. And it's just such a fun way to teach. It's almost like that's when the magic happens is when we can have that balance and step outside and think about, well, what's our why here? Like, and I always find it funny, Mamie, like if I ask you, what's your why? Why do you love what you do? Or why, why do you work in education? Like, what's your why? What, what would you reply? Like, what's your solid why? That is such an important question, right? Like all of us should be think about it. If you, if you were asked that question, you're like, hmm, I'm not sure. I encourage all of you to stop and like think about that now. What is your why? What is that connection to your passion? And mine would be, I just love working with teachers and helping them to really understand, like you're saying, you know, how to how to bring out the biggest potential in their students. And when teachers do that, when they learn to really do that, it also increases their joy in the classroom. Just like you said, Colleen, it, it helps you to feel more connected in the classroom. You, you get more of those opportunities to really see the children shine and know that you had something to do with bringing that opportunity about. So I would just love to unpack all of these things you talked about. And let's start with me asking you, what is your why? My, I know my why. My why is kids. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. no matter, and my how has changed over the years, right? like, you know, and it will still most likely change. I imagine my how will be different in five years. Even I won't be doing the yeah. same things, but my why is solid. Like I'm, I'm all about the kids. And I know if I can help teachers, I help thousands of kids by extension. And that's the solid why. And if you ask any educator, any teacher, any professional in the field, what's your why? We all have the same, we're all here for the same purpose. Mm -hmm. We really are. When you break it down, it doesn't matter what your role is. We're all here to serve kids. So Absolutely. And supporting our children in and really growing to the, you know, to to their highest potential, right? And oftentimes children don't even know what their highest potential is until they have someone who believes in them and sees that highest potential. And, you know, that's, that's why I just love working with teachers and helping them to be able to really see, see that and to know how, you know, the steps to getting there. So let's talk about the, you know, the, the steps of supporting this balance in the classroom, because, it's easier to say than to do. And I know that we have um, a lot of teachers on the call who are, you know, might be feeling the same way with you. It's like when they first started, they could just really kind of dig in and follow the kids' leads. But then there became a time when they felt 
there were so many other priorities and other pressures that were kind of um, taking over, you know, that that particular interest or opportunity. So do you want to talk, you know, kind of when it gets, there's a little bit of a tension there of how do you create that balance? Yeah. Keep it, that balance. And it is almost like this dance. And I think in order to keep mm. the balance, because teachers are faced with all sorts of additional pressures, right. you know, it, it just is the world we're in right now. Um, so being intentional about reflecting, and thinking. And that's the hardest part, I think, because when you are teaching and you are in the classroom, you're just kind of, you're, you're moving. You're constantly trying to keep your head just above that water line. So it becomes difficult to find time while you're actually doing the work to reflect and say, yeah. is what I'm doing best for my kids right now? Like, am I intentionally exciting them about learning by providing opportunities for them to be partners with me? Almost like I am facilitating this learning journey with them. It's not the teacher right. show where I'm going to give you the information and here it is. And you need to sit still and quiet and give me five and put a bubble in your mouth and crisscross applesauce, hands in your lap, all of those things. So I think if teachers, and I know this is a hard ask because I totally get what it's like to be in that moment, it it doesn't lend a lot of opportunities for self-reflection. So maybe even during this podcast or after the podcast, like just sit for a minute and think, what am I doing now that I am intentionally allowing my kids to be partners with me on their learning adventure? How am I giving them ownership of what their learning journey looks like? And that's, that's tricky to do, but I think it's so mm -hmm. important to just pause sometimes and say, is this working? Am I meeting yeah. my why? Like if my why right. is I'm here to serve and help kids, mm -hmm. a big part of that has to be allowing them to have a lot of opportunities for choice and ownership of learning and be able to move and talk and all those fun things. Mm -hmm. So it, yeah. it is, it's tricky. <laughs> yeah, empowering them to make a contribution to their learning opportunity teaches them and gives them the opportunity not just to learn today for today, but to learn how to be a lifelong learner, right? To learn how to love learning. Um, my, my colleague, Mary Margaret Gardner, has this wonderful saying that she says is, you know, for teachers to consider, what am I going to do on purpose because of what the children just did or said? Or even adding it into a reflection, you know, maybe start a pattern, a habit of reflecting just for one minute at the end of the day, and then you can make it into two minutes and then three minutes, right? It doesn't have to start with this huge reflection. Maybe just saying when I'm driving home, I'm going to stop. Don't put the music on for one minute and just reflect and ask myself, what am I proud of that I did today because of what the children did? Like, what was a way that I that I responded to what the children said or did that I'm really proud of, that had this fun response from the children and I was able to take them further. Oh, I love that. I love that. And I'm all about focusing on what we're already doing right. And I think Absolutely, that's- right? Yeah, yeah, like in this moment, what am I already doing? Already doing. And mm -hmm. how can I maybe do a little bit more? <laughs> yeah, it's those little steps, right? Like you have to understand what you're already doing 
and then you can refine it. But if you're only focusing on what you're not doing, that's going to lead you feeling defeated and, you know, a lot of blaming and a lot of excuses. But if I want you to focus on, if the teachers hear one thing today, it's focus on what you're already doing to support your children and getting to make choices in your classroom, to have a voice in the classroom, to have some choice in the classroom, right? To be as independent as possible in the classroom. These are all things that we mean by showing regard or showing value for the children's unique thoughts, ideas, and personal experience expression, right? And so think about what you're already doing and maybe what was one thing that you did today to support that. And then always consider how could I do that one thing I did today even better or even more often, or here's a big one, with even more students because for that equity, right? Sometimes maybe you do that with some of the students, but you don't tend to show that same level of regard for other students in your classroom. How can I intentionally make sure that tomorrow I do it with that child? I love how you brought that in about the equity piece and really thinking about all children and the oh. lens of all the kiddos. Right. Yep. I love that. And that is a part of regard for student perspective too. Of course. Making sure that for it, every child's perspective, right? For every yeah. child's perspective. I love that. And when you have that kind of paradigm shift and start looking through the eyes of the child or the children or the students, uh, it changes your perspective in the classroom yeah. as the educator, mm -hmm. like when you can kind of flip the script and say, what does this look like for all of my kids? Like, mm -hmm. how does this, how am I intentionally interacting with them that allows them a lot of opportunities to be partners in learning? Mm, partners in learning. I love that. So I'm going to take you back, right? Because you yep. kind of mentioned two different times in your teaching career. At the beginning, you were really following their perspective. And then there was a little bit of a paradigm shift and you weren't doing that as much. Mm -hmm. So my question for those two different times mm -hmm. is how were your children reacting oh. and how were you feeling during that time? So let's uh, go back to the beginning. That's Those are really good questions. And it takes me right on back into that classroom. <laughs> You're like, I'm there now. I'm there now. So those first few years when I feel like I still was really grounded in best practice, I was fresh out of, you know, fresh out of undergrad degree. I went to an awesome program uh, that specialized in early childhood and they really, really, truly focused on getting teachers prepared and understanding the what, the why, and the how of teaching young children. So I I engaged in a lot of developmentally appropriate practices with my young kiddos, uh, with those kindergartners. I taught English language learners. 90% of my kids that first year uh, were English language learners. Primary, primarily their uh, language at home was Spanish. And I knew right away, I was like, oh boy, do I need to intentionally promote opportunities for them to be able to talk to each other in either their native language or opportunities to acquire a new language. So having a regard for student perspective, especially that first year, was crucial, vital, had to. I had to intentionally promote opportunities for them to talk and share. I learned a lot of Spanish that year. I was not, <laughs> I was not fluent. I am now. I can speak like a five-year-old, uh, but I, I knew that was important. So I wanted them to talk. I allowed them to move on the carpet. Uh, if I was doing a whole group reading lesson or story time or whatever it was, and they were on their knees or they were wiggling or bouncing mm -hmm. around and everyone could see and it 
wasn't interfering with anyone's opportunity to learn. I allowed them to do that. Yeah. I knew. And that's like, important to note, right? Like you yeah. move, but yet they're not bothering or interfering with anybody else's nope. ability to see or learn. Then. Yeah. Let's be flexible with that. Let's be. Why not? <laughs> like why what's not? the problem? Because these kids, they move to recharge their brain, right? They move yes. to learn. They're active learners. So it definitely, it actually keeps your kids more engaged than if they're yes. completely still. Oh, they are disengaging. Oh, 110%. Even look at us, Mimi, yeah. on this. We can see each other right now. And we move <laughs> around. And bop and <laughs> we, no one likes to sit like that. It's not, it's not comfortable. It's not natural. not natural. So I allowed them to talk. I allowed them to move. Uh, we had a lot of choice in what we did. I knew what our state standards were for kindergarten. But uh, if there was something that the kids were interested in, I veered off that curriculum guide. I was fortunate enough that I was working in a school where the leadership allowed us to do that. I know yeah. that is not the case everywhere. So I truly do right. know that some listeners might be like, well, I can't do that. There's still and other have more of a scripted curriculum. Totally. Or a, a pacing guide that you're so mm-hmm. everyone's supposed to be on the same guide. And I think right. A research-based curriculum is a good thing. I'm not saying that. But I would say that as a professional, you can sometimes veer from the lesson that's in your plan book and understand that the lesson that's appearing in the classroom at that moment might be so much more beneficial than following along what's in that pacing guide. And I know that I know that's a hard one for educators. And when I talk that talk to teachers, they're like, well, that's not possible for me. And my suggestion always is maybe go to leadership and say, here is why I occasionally will veer from the lesson. Here's what we did. Mm-hmm. Here's my, you know, my notes that I took on on the learning and on what was happening during those in very special moments, those teachable moments, that's when the magic. And when I was doing that at the beginning of my career, I was so fulfilled. Like it was hard. Teaching was always hard. It was hard then, you know, it was always hard. It didn't matter uh, if I was allowing a lot of regard or not, it still was hard, but it was so joyful. Like it was so much fun to teach that way and to be a partner with them. So to answer your question on the opposite end, when I kind of began, I still was nice. You can be very rigid and Mm -hmm. nice. You can, you really can. I was, there was no negative interactions really happening in my classroom with me and the kids, but I was very, very strict in the expectations that I had for the children to the point where it would impede learning. So again, like, let's say it's year eight and I'm sitting in the little rocking chair and we're going to have story time and I'm holding up the big book and we're doing a big book read aloud and someone starts fidgeting with their shoes. Oh, oh, check your body. Oh, all my friends, check your body. Give me five. I need your eyes, your ears, your mouths are closed and quiet. Hands in your lap, crisscross, applesauce, bubble in your mouth to the point where it would interfere with what they were able to intake, you know? Right. And I'm not, of course you have classroom expectations. Like let's not of get course, twisted. Right? Not chaos. <laughs> not chaos. It's not throwing the lesson out of the, of the window or allowing chaos to ensue at all. That's not what we're talking about. No, but allowing 
movement, allowing opportunities for them to share, allowing choice. And I had mm-hmm. taken a lot of that away um, mm-hmm. for a variety of reasons, all of which when I reflect back on it, like I can point to say, well, I started getting feedback from the music teacher that my kids couldn't sit on the carpet or I started getting ah. feedback. Oh, yes. I, I started getting- I, I, I've, I've- Feel that. Feel your Have pain you been there? there? Yep, me too. Oh I've my been gosh. There. <laughs> I know. That really started to affect me where I thought, uh-oh, mm-hmm. the expectations that I'm having are getting my kids in trouble. Like if I'm allowing right. them to move and wiggle and talk, because that's what I set up learning to be, when another right. adult or a teacher comes to our classroom to engage and interact with my kids, it looks very different. And so the only I so wish that as a, you know, 24 year old girl, I would have said, oh, excuse me, Mrs. Music, but maybe you don't know about developmentally appropriate practices and how young children learn. Like I was too afraid to share that voice. I'm I'm not now. (laughs) I'll (laughs) I'll share it now. But I completely conformed and changed. And that's on me. That's not on anyone else in that building. That truly was my, you know, my responsibility. But that when I began becoming so focused on what was in my plan book, on how much I needed to get done throughout the day, um, on making sure we were doing running records and getting our data. And I needed to have everyone reading by first grade and all a a bunch of different demands that became very heavy. And I lost all of that regard for the kiddos. I was no longer looking through the lens of the child or through their eyes. It was now teaching still was hard, but it was not joyful. And it was right. Felt more like a regimented thing. Oh, so dry. For you and for them, I'm sure. For them too. And I even, I reflect back and, you know, your first year is special. That group that you have is like, they're still my babies. They're old now. They have babies of their own. I feel like a grandma, but it's just (laughs) when you have that first group. And I think back on the relationships I had with those kids by allowing Mm -hmm. them to be partners so strong. Yeah. Versus in subsequent years, not as, not as strong because I had lost some of that joy too. So that's why I'm just such a big believer in the power of really promoting intentional opportunities for kids to be learning partners with you as the teacher, no matter the age, really, truly like that applies mm-hmm. oh, in of course, yeah. the toddler room <laughs> all mm-hmm. the way up through secondary. Like it, it really does giving those opportunities for choice and for expression and to be independent and have, you know, feel like this is for me and what do I need? What do I see? How do I view things? to engage truly in the learning process, which is what we want children to be doing is to engage truly in the learning process. But we need to make learning something that they are doing instead of just something that's happening to them. Right. So really engaging them in that. And I'm hearing a consistent theme through your conversation is the importance of relationship. Right. And how how the, the 
first of all, having a strong relationship is really important, but by supporting our children and having voice and choice and personal expression in our classroom, it develops our relationships. It, it's in emotional support for a reason, right? Because it's a way to enhance that emotional support and that connection and that relationship that we have with children that helps them ultimately to be able to take risks, yeah. academic risks in the classroom, right? And that's where we want them to be because we want them engaging in that learning process. Well, Colleen, this has been such a fabulous conversation, but I know that we probably need to wrap up and I'm really hoping that we'll be able to turn this into a part two or three or four or five because I feel like we have so much more to talk about. And this topic is huge. Regard for student perspectives is so misunderstood and so important um, and really achieving that balance. So I've got a question. What would you like our listening community to be walking away with um, at the end of this, this conversation now? I would say if listeners could walk away with understanding that this is something that will continually take an effort on your part right. to be intentional about. You won't be perfect all, at all times during all parts of your day. But if you can start what Mamie suggested earlier about celebrating what you're already doing, like think of that small thing you're doing to already support choice and autonomy and ownership of learning for your kiddos. And then think about something more you could do. I also would say my biggest soapbox that I get on with teachers with regard, and I know it's so much more than this, but this is where I really fell short when I started uh, becoming so rigid. Let them move. Please let them wiggle, let them move, let them talk. Again, that like Mamie, like you mentioned, it's not chaos. It's different. You still have your expectations, but it's okay for children to wiggle. It's okay for your students to be able to express their ideas, their thoughts, their feelings. Allow intentional opportunities through all formats of your day to allow kiddos to share move, talk, express, choose, all those good things. So I think that would be my takeaway. So basically ensure our children have voice and choice in the classroom. Yep, that's right, voice and choice. All right, well, let's, let's all start working on that. And I encourage all of you to think about, reflect for just one moment, what is it that you're already doing? And um, how could you continue to plan to do that again tomorrow and then the next day and the next day and the next day? So thank you so much, Colleen. And I look forward to talking with you again. Thank you. Bye-bye, everybody. And if you're interested in continuing this conversation with other educators, I'd encourage you to join our class learning community. You can share or learn more strategies with thousands of educators around the world. The link to join us is in the show notes available on your listening platform. Also in the show notes, um, we will be sure to link a few really helpful blog posts on this topic that I hope you will check out. So thank you again, everybody, for joining us today, and we will see you again next week. But until then, be humble, be teachable, and always keep learning.